This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, here with my guy Spencer. Spencer, this time last week we were sitting here going, man, there's not a lot to talk about. And we still did a two-hour podcast. No shortage of topics today, my man. The Premier League is back in full force. But before all that, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. I, uh... Soccer wise, just this weekend was so after like the international break, so refreshing. Just we've talked over the last few pods about how there's so much going on right now. There's like baseball starting up the World Baseball Classic a few weeks ago, March Madness, uh, you know, down the stretch in the NHL and the NBA and like soccer. It's just there's been so much going on. It was nice to have like Mm -hmm. the two week break, really, basically with the international break and just relax kind of focus on some other stuff and the premier league came back with a bang this weekend my friend yeah they they absolutely did they carried that bang into uh into monday and tuesday too it was one of those weeks i was like man those were a bunch of crazy games and i was like oh there's a game monday and then there were like four games today and it was just like when when the Premier League is back, they're back with a vengeance. They're back to try to make up for any lost time that you may not have been thinking about them. And yeah. Straight zero yeah. to 60 in the Premier League. Just uh, it's, it's, There's not much of a buildup. Like you even, I believe, texted me something earlier today along the lines of some asshole named Bruno is going to get us worked by Liverpool. And I was like, Wait, you guys play Liverpool today? And you're like, yeah, we play later <laughs> yeah, this afternoon. Exactly. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now I have something to do this afternoon at work. I can't exactly. wait. Exactly. Well, even then it was like, I was surprised there were other, like I knew, like, you know, you know your own team schedule, right? It's like, oh, I know Chelsea plays Liverpool today. Like, Jesus. But the fact that there were like four games today is just like, what is, what is going on? I know we had a bunch of games to make up, but. You know, it's just it's just a lot right now. Um, but yeah, you kind of uh, you kind of alluded it to alluded to it. The kind of big takeaway from the weekend games is that Chelsea has parted ways with Graham Potter. Uh, Todd Bowley absolutely starting off with a Chelsea record here of most managers fired per season. So I just think it's really impressive. Like to set a Chelsea first, that's very very impressive. Man. Yeah, I was going to say the big takeaway from the weekend is the people that have been taken away from the league, (laughs) including that man, Graham Potter, Potter, Um, which is apparently part of the problem (laughs) as we both do a Harry Potter like little joke. Um, But yeah, I I think uh, it's not too Homer centric of me to uh, to start there. Um, But Chelsea lose two nil to Villa. Um, don't look good, right? Um, give away kind of a cheap goal. There's not, there's just a lot of the same, right? You guys have heard me talk about the issues we've had with Chelsea and I've been largely on the side of give Potter some time, look, you know, more of like the long-term model versus the short-term model, which doesn't translate well to Chelsea. Um, but after the two nil result, they fall to 
eleventh in the Premier League, and once it's bottom half, I don't, you know, there's not there's not a lot more of excuses you can make. Well, you know, everybody in London has made Todd Bowley out to be some buffoon. So, like, do you think that we can just act upon that and be like the the lit like the the Mendoza line was literally that he couldn't fall out of the top half of the table. It was like 11th. The minute he's 11th, he's out of there. Just, uh, it's, yeah, I think that's actually a great point. It's like, okay, the long-term build and all the, the project and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of like murmurings that like the players don't like Potter, right. That like the players, but like, I like right. him for nicknames. Like the, yeah. It's makes Potter. it easy. Potter. Potter. Um, but like he, you're right. There has to be like a line of like, look, the minimum acceptability for Chelsea football is like top half, top half. I guess we found Todd Bowley's line. Like he will not tolerate a bottom half Chelsea team. He's willing to, uh, well, even like, I don't think you make the argument he's willing to deal with, right? He spent $300 million in January to try to solve this problem, right? To make a push for Champions League football, to make a push for European football, to make a push for goals, any, any literally just any decent football. Right. You can't say the guy isn't trying or isn't throwing money at the problem, because I guess that the owner as the owner, that's kind of all you can do is hire and fire the right people and then throw money at the problem. Mm-hmm. He's fulfilling all of those things. And now he's fired the guy he handpicked to lead this uh, thing. So I guess maybe the biggest positive is like he's at least willing to change course when course isn't going well. Right. He's not so stubborn and so outside of this, you know. English sport that he's not willing to see what's going on right in front of him. Um, but yeah, man, Graham Potter out. Uh, they've got his replacement is a dude named Bruno Salter, Salter, um, who welcome to your first day on the job, bud. Uh, we've got Liverpool on Tuesday and we gave the players a day off on Sunday. So um, good job dealing with Jurgen Klopp on your first day. Welcome to, uh, well, <laughs> the Premier League, bud. Uh, there's the deep end, and then there's there's that. Um, did okay today. It was fine. Yeah, and let's. I don't think there's a ton about the game today. It was. I mean, they looked okay. I thought um, had some chances. Put two in the back of the net, but mm-hmm. uh, both were ruled out. One for handball. One for offside. But uh, honestly, with Chelsea, I think the big story is more before today right with the potter thing so let's kind of circle back there um i I guess let's just start here andrew like obviously you as a supporter uh an american supporter where we're further removed right um to me it kind of seemed like potter really was never on side with chelsea supporters at least the ones english the english-based ones that is it seemed like they never really gave him a chance to even have some equity within them. Like to, you know, maybe he could lose a few games and be okay. It's been pretty toxic from the start. It's really felt like to me. So I guess my long winded question is like, did, was he given a fair shot here? Do you think? I know, obviously when you look at like the raw spending and stuff of what Todd Bowley's done for them, him, like you would say, how is he not? But there's so many injuries. There was so many new players to integrate. The squad was massive like do you think Graham Potter was given a fair shake I guess at Chelsea overall in these six months or whatever he's been there um I don't 
I mean, a fair sh- the way just the way you asked the question, like, was he given a fair shake? Maybe, right? I guess this is kind of a non-answer, but I think he was given a fair shake. He was given kind of enough games, right? He wasn't given like one shot and fired and that kind of thing. Um, this season feels like the longest season one because watching Chelsea has never been such a long thing. I just wish would end this season. And here it is this year just being like, what if next year is better? Um, but they have, uh, you know, they have the international break and he got hired before the big, long international break for the FIFA World Cup. Gets hired before that. It's not going real well. Injuries to James Sterling, everybody under the sun, right? Chilwell missed a bunch of games too. He never got like a run with the full team. Um, But you can't expect him to get a run with the full team, right? Every team is playing with injuries right now. Nobody's that healthy. Everybody's missing big parts of their team. So to say like, did he get a fair, like a fair shake? Yeah, but I mean, we kind of alluded to it, right? There were reports coming out about like, like senior players just didn't think he was like good enough for the job, kind of making fun of him behind his back, like calling it, like making fun of like Graham Potter, Harry Potter, calling him like Hogwarts and stuff like that. Like, and maybe that's just indicative of the bad culture there, right? Like whoever's doing that is not, I don't know who it is, right? But is not a, an exam, a shining example of what you would want from your team. Well, he like also just, Potter also wasn't commanding that either. So right, just like quick side note on the like the being called Hogwarts. Like, do you think that's a story? Like, I, I don't know if that's like it, it's right. We're not there. I don't have the context of being in the Chelsea camp of like, is it yeah. a derogatory thing or is it a nickname that the the independent or the sun's running with of like, they called him Hogwarts. Like how disrespectful they didn't care. Like they, they didn't respect him. And or was it like Hogwarts? What's up buddy? And it's like, like yeah. you know, like I, like a team building <laughs> thing. I, I, I don't know. When I read that report, well, I was like, yeah, like, yeah, it might just be like a nickname. They call it. like, he might just be like friendly. Like, you know, we're in a, we're an age in an age now where you have a bunch of players, managers and stuff. And the old guard or like the grumpy old bastard is kind of phased out a bit gone. more. Shout mm-hmm. out Roy Hodgson. But <laughs> like, I didn't, unless I don't you, know. Unless I, you want 37 shots on goal, like, you know, which but yeah, want that? But, yeah, um, but like that, that story in particular, I kind of took it with a grain of salt of like, okay, maybe it was a disrespect thing, but I, I didn't think that by itself was like, oh yeah, they didn't respect this guy. I thought it more of I like, think it could be that, who knows? It certainly doesn't ring of respect, right? Like, I'll be honest, like if you knew an English guy whose last name was Potter, there's no chance you wouldn't call him, like try to do the accent and call him like Potter. Like Potter, like you, you just you would. I know mm-hmm. you would. I know I would as well. well yeah, so, we're dumb Americans. <laughs> yeah, it's we're dumb Americans, and they only have one dumb American. Unless Christian's just super mean, that'd be actually hilarious for him to come out. Like Geo's this crazy person with a wild family, and Christian Pulisic's like the meanest dude ever when he seems like the nicest guy. <laughs> um, he's just he's just demeaning, bullying Graham Potter out of the job. I don't think that happened at all. Um, he might be I the think, one at the source of that report. Like he was the one calling him Pata because this is Americans. Pata. We can't help Pata. it. Yeah, he can't help it. And they're um, like Christian Pulisic's faking an English accent to make fun. Well, of Well, but the Pata. thing it's is, like, the English media would tell. The English media would tell if, if it was Christian. Pulisic. Yeah, you're probably gotta, right. I think it's probably one of their beloved Englishmen that they're protecting. Yeah, you're um, probably right. 
probably Raheem. That's super rude to everybody. Um, and I'm I'm joking here, but he uh it's definitely not like I don't I don't see any way for it to be a term of endearment when we're also sitting here talking about how he's lost the locker room and it comes out the day after he got fired. Right. I'm not one of these people sitting here counting the Instagram post thanking the coach, which people are doing, right? There's like, oh, there's only two people who posted thank you, like, thanks, coach, wish you well. Like, I don't give a shit about your Instagram post. I just don't, right? You wishing someone well is, like, usually a fake thing anyways that people do. So I think think it's safe to say, like, what he was doing wasn't working because you have this group of very, very experienced players right on one end of it who are used to having and have succeeded best and played well under like tough disciplinarian coaches, right? Tuchel, all those guys, right? Which not to bring up Tuchel, which is another thing we'll absolutely bring up, but um, the idea that like this bring it, this guy of like, oh, we'll bring everyone together. It's a long-term project. It's not about us, but um, people kind of said it like he doesn't have a lot of fire about him, mm-hmm. right? ideally for Graham Potter, he'd like be sitting on the side stoically nodding his approval as his team gets the XG just so high, but doesn't score any goals. And I don't know that that works at Chelsea. I think part of just the club personality is like, this is the club that like started Mourinho, right? Really right. From coming over from Porto and those great runs, right? This is what made him the special one. That's kind of the club identity a little bit. Yeah. And I, I kind of think with, hindsight this is maybe a bit of a case of right coach or good coach wrong club you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i it's do a bad think, match yeah, yeah between the two I, situations it's a bad match like i think like you know it's it's like when you see a couple or something and you know maybe both of them are extremely attractive but they fucking hate each other's guts it's just the chemistry is off something was <laughs> off here because I do think Graham is a pretty good manager. I, I thought he was yeah. starting to kind of turn it around at Chelsea. Like now that the teams, yep. yeah, I mean, getting through that Dortmund fixture like that was tricky. Got out on top of that. Um, had had some better results in the Premier League. Like this was definitely a step back against Villa. That is, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know that I've knocked him down a ton i think that there is enough and maybe call me an apologist for him but i I think there's enough there to make excuses for him kind of having a bad run at chelsea like if you go back to the game over the weekend like mudrick's in on goal uh, alone with the keeper twice and doesn't score either of them like one's a good save should have squared the first one right like one's like the first one i actually didn't I wasn't should, Kai, if you look at it again, Kai Havertz is standing right there. Yeah, he and it's should like have, a, it's like a FIFA tap across. It's right. so obvious. It was definitely yeah. there, but like I, that was one was at least like quick developing and like very fast. Fine, like the second one, he has all the time in the world, and he just takes this. Uh, he basically passes it to <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Amy Martinez. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I think Graham Potter, if he went to a team with like a and I mean, there's only one of these guys, but like an Erling Holland or like a uh, Mo Salah or like a guy who's going to bad goals, who outperforms their XG, right? I think he has a chance to 
be really good because I think he sets up teams well to generate scoring chances, but it's right. how and many the, times... And the XG they, agrees with that, yeah. Absolutely. Right, I mean, I mean, how many times over the last months now at this point that he's been on the quote-unquote hot seat have we sat here after a game after a disappointing Chelsea performance and been like oh they should have gotten this chance should have been a goal on that one and that one I feel it's like it's like three times a game you're just like oh they missed they missed this huge chance or they hit the crossbar blah 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 so I I don't know I I think overall it's not a huge detriment to him on his resume to me I I think he still might be able to go on and be good somewhere. I guess the one thing you worry about is he's never coached like big time world-class players. And now he's kind of, at least there's reports that blew up on him this time, but now he's got that experience. So you got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. I, I think uh, you, you putting it as like, right. You know, maybe the wrong coach, wrong time is I don't know anybody in the world who could have possibly dealt with like any manager that comes to mind that could deal with this bloated squad a new American owner who wants to spend $300 million in January, right? You've got a ton of injuries. So that's partly why these, these changes happen in January. Cause you've got issues, right? You've got injury issues. You've got performance issues. And you know, like there's stuff that they were saying, like players had to get dressed in the hallway and sit on the floor in team meetings. Cause the, literally the squad is so bloated. I don't know that anybody deals with that. Well, right. If you look at like historically the best teams, relatively small squads i feel like usually right it's like yep you've got your 11 and then you've got about four or five dudes right so four or five dudes that get expected to play rotationally and then you've got a couple of guys who are hoping to get subbed in in the 75th minute and then you've got a couple kids right Mm -hmm. and that's how you get to like a 20 24 25 man squad 30 plus dudes on the squad is insane right and there's no position they're set at that you know what they're going to get from anybody right even like N'Golo Kante has been the best midfielder for the past 10 years he's been hurt all year he started like his first game today in like four months it feels like yeah I I mean the squad thing was crazy just the I, I mean there's so many new players that have come in I just I think it's it was always going to be difficult to kind of synergize this whole squad for any manager so i I don't know man i I would love for a documentary to be made about this chelsea imagine if this was the all or nothing year for chelsea oh my you imagine how like like i would hate it but i'd be like i have to hate watch every minute of this um my i guess another question i have or a point to bring up is um do you think any of this happens if they don't like not lose, but tie Everton before this long break. Right. Or do you think that I think Chelsea might've been better off if they like lost three, two to Everton before this international break. Cause I think it would have given them time to make this move at the break instead of making it Sunday and being like, Hey bud guy on Graham Potter's staff, you're going to have to coach the team against Liverpool like tomorrow. Like the timing of it all is, is crazy to me. I mean, yeah, I'd agree that the timing was off, but I, I think we we were on here a couple of weeks ago saying that I just I think that at this point the season's lost, right? Like I guess the Champions League fixture is huge, right? But mm-hmm. to me, Graham shown to kind of negotiate. I mean, look, I, that's the only I place guess, they played well. Right, that's the only I, two games they've played well consecutively this year. And like, I know they're your team, right? But if I if I go to you honestly and like I'm like, do you, 
whoever you put in charge, like fucking Nagelsmann, Pochettino, whoever comes in, do you still think, do you think that's going to make a difference against like Real Madrid? I think you're still going to feel like you're going into that fixture. Like it's an underdog, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you could have given us anybody and we'd be the underdog against Real Madrid. That's you could bring back Real Sir Madrid Alex did. Ferguson or and Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta and put them on the sideline. I don't think we have enough defenders to just put on the field in non-defender positions for Alex Ferguson. <laughs> you know, he'd have to like play a real midfielder or an attacker or something and it'd be like, I don't know, this isn't going to work. Batty Achille flying up and down the left wing is not what I'm, not what I'm looking forward to. Um, just, just a little dig at uh, Alex Ferguson playing nine defenders, Wayne Rooney and a goalie, and just being like, oh, I can't believe they won 1-0. It's like, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> you're very well organized. Great job, buddy. Uh, nothing away from you. God, could we go for some organization and 1-0 sounds like a dream. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, like there's so many guys. There's no way they could make the whole thing gel, right? Nobody can. And they talk about, oh, we're going to have to get these players out, whether it's financial fair play or – all these other reasons, but you bring up a point with like Nagelsmann or any of these coaches. It's like, how do you convince an elite level coach? This is an elite level job, right? Because the money is spent to do it, but then there's even like the best parts of it. Like, Hey, do you want a team that's willing to spend has attracted top level talent in the past and like has shown they can win? It's like, yep, I do want that, but there are like eight guys we need to sell on the team. Financial fair play is breathing down our neck, and it's going to be really hard to win the Champions League next year when you're not in it. Um, so, I, I I would love to get see them go get Nagelsmann, go get somebody here. Um, I like that they're at least the first team open at this level, right? When you talk about who they could bring in, because um, there's some talk about like. PSG might open up. Ancelotti might be done at uh, Real Madrid. So I think at least you want to be the first door open for these guys. Like you want to get locked in. And at the very least, uh, Todd Bowley's proven he'll pay a severance package, man. He's not worried about it. Um, But speaking of severance packages, not the only one cut this weekend. Completely overshadowing a team in blue. Uh, Leicester City absolutely gets rid of their boss this weekend as well spencer so tough tough week for managers coaching teams with blue and white yeah tough week for that uh particular sect of people sorry to the guys but uh brennan rogers Oof. yeah on the way out I, and i wish coach k was still hired man He'd be out of here too. <laughs> this one like huge news right but th- this was one that just completely evaded my radar until like way later in the day. Cause I was looking at stuff <laughs> yeah, about, you... I, I was, I was looking at stuff about uh Graham Potter being fired, like going through Twitter. And then it was like, I saw maybe transfer news live or something put out of like potential people to replace Brennan Rogers. And I was like, Brennan Rogers, don't they Isn't mean Graham a little Potter? early for that? I know they've yeah. not been good, but like, right. And then I'm like going back and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, fired their fired manager like today. <laughs> just Chelsea absolutely steely like it's back to like what was that like 17 18 when they just stole all the uh, Leicester players you like you like Chilwell you like Conte you like Fofana guess what we fired our manager too (laughs) we want all the smoke Leicester give us James Madison just give it just give it to him but uh still nonetheless huge for like news wise because Leicester Look, they've been in that mush all Free year. Of these, 
uh, dude, they're we they thought they in nineteenth place, Spencer. Yeah, yeah Leicester it's... City. Leicester City. Oh my gosh, two points clear of Southampton at the bottom of the table. Yeah, and um... they have no parachute, man. They are just out of a plane, just falling down. Well, like they too. I've been looking around, kind of seeing some stuff also in the following days like have you seen their finances like how bad like they're just as bad how? as Everton. we're propping them up i mean that's what i, I thought I'm, I, I'm joking but i mean they just got like 80 million dollars for wesley fofana like yeah did they lose the check what's going on is todd bowley the world's greatest negotiator as we <laughs> swing it back to chelsea he's been able to give them a 10-year deferred payment uh but no go ahead bud i i didn't see any of this i've been I've been, you're not going to believe this. I've been a little sidetracked with other managerial openings. That that's fair. That's fair. So I'll, I'll, I got you here. I, I'm actually, I pulled up the suite. It's from, uh, this is from Swiss Ramble. They've said that uh, the 21 22 finances, the loss nearly tripled from 33 million to 92 million pounds, <laughs> mainly due to profit on player sales dropping 35 to 9 million. So potentially. Um, oh my gosh. And but, we gave them like, oh. What right, this happened? is twenty one, twenty two. So I guess the Fofana thing's not rolled into hasn't, there. Hasn't, hasn't counted this, yet. Okay, right, but still. Okay, like, I was about to say, like, if they made like eighty million on a defender, and they're still losing ninety million, I need to see the books. I'm not going to be able to help. I'm not an accountant, but I need to see what they're doing. Right, but that just goes to show, right? They came into this season. We wondered in the off season, kind of why in the summer they hadn't signed really anybody. They weren't bringing anybody in, and we were like, well, "You guys are pretty good. You probably should bring somebody in." Especially after they sold Fofana, we were like, "Well, now they'll definitely bring somebody in." But yeah, yeah. We uh, now, now that's all making a lot more sense. They lost ninety-two million dollars. That was their <laughs> income last year. So like. They go down like this is we've talked about the Everton thing of like if they go down, they're in huge, huge trouble. Like Lester's right up there with them. Of They go down. I don't know if we're seeing them again for quite a while, which would be insane, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it explains why guys like uh, like Woot Faze keep playing every weekend. That dude's on there and he had some of the worst miscues in that. Uh, oh, who are they playing where he had like two own goals? Was it Liverpool? That was at Anfield. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I get you want to play your youngsters and that's how they make their money and stuff like that. But like, I look at their team and I go like Harvey Barnes, there's, there's 35 million right there. James Madison. Why is he still playing for you guys? There's 50 million sitting on the books. Tielemans. Tielemans. Uh, well, T- yeah, Tielemans is the crazy one. Cause like, yeah. even like, I think Dewsbury hall would be like a solid, like rotational midfielder yeah. for most teams. And that's not even talking about like Mendy and Ndidi when everybody needs a fucking defensive mid right now. And then Bubakar Samari too, I like for them. Like, I still like their whole team as individual parts, but they just, they just don't have it this year. Man. Well, I, I, mean, I, I think, think the Rogers thing is overdue. Right. I think that just goes to show, right? When you look at their squad, you're like, what the fuck are you? It's the same with West Ham, right? We we we, we notoriously have all the Andrew West Ham's West Ham uh, rants. Roll the it's, clip. It's, we're not. We're not going to roll the clip, but it'd be like a five-minute clip of me absolutely <laughs> yelling about West Ham. But, right, it's basically the same thing, right, of, like, I look at this squad, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing down here? Like, you are better than Southampton and Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth and, like, all, your squad on paper is better than these teams. You do not belong down here. You belong probably with 
the way the table is this year, you you should be up there. Like we, I've I've become accustomed to you guys finishing like fifth, sixth, seventh. Like right. you should be Just in the top missing half on the Europe, table. making a push, right? You know, and right the kind so, of team you don't want to play, right? And they and are I, not that this year. You no. circle them on the calendar in big red letters saying "woo," like I just. So and and like like we said, when we don't get it, and I guess this is the I guess we'll call this now the Antonio Conte rule. When a team just doesn't make sense, you have to fire the manager, right? I feel like that's fair because we've been saying what's going on with Tottenham for six weeks, right? Seriously, every week we Forever. go, I don't know what to do with Tottenham, right? Why are they bad? Why aren't they good? Why are they tying everybody? And like, I don't know, man, like seven wins, seven wins, four draws is what yeah. Leicester's sitting here with. And, you know, they probably had 25 points like a month ago. Yeah, just sitting right there. Well, yeah, I think when you see what the finances are, right, when you see what the results have been, because it wasn't that long ago, I think, that we were talking about they were kind of coming out of this bad period because that's such a poor start to the year, and they looked like they'd righted like, right the ship, and they were, you know, kind of cruising along, and they were going to be out of this relegation zone. They're just going to be in that mid-table mush, but there is no mid-table mush this year. There's just no, it's bottom like a of the table mush. scramble. Yeah. It's, it's uh, and, you, ever, you ever see, uh, uh, never mind. I was going to say, uh, if you ever seen Catch Me If You Can, it's like yeah. that story they tell about the mice who churns themselves out of the butter or out of the milk to make butter oh, yeah. they tell all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that's right. But like their run of just the, just the run of form, right? Lost to Southampton, lost to Chelsea, draw with Brentford, right? Lost to Crystal Palace, Ross, lost to Aston Villa. The, like three of those four te- of three of those five teams have made managerial changes this year. Like since January, they've made managerial changes, and yeah, man. I, what do you think? What do you think the move is for Leicester as far as like what they should do next? Because like Sean Dyche is not walking through that door, and that's exactly who they should call, right? Like go back in time, see the writing on the wall. They're looking up at Everton here. That's insane. I, I think you go full nuclear, Andrew. There's a guy. The original Sean Dyche. Grandfather's already turned this down. This guy, this guy. Oh, you want to win games. Okay. This guy walked so Sean Dyche could stand still, I guess. It would be a better description of what his football is. I don't think Pep's going to leave City. No. I'm talking, (laughs) this guy's been out of the game for, or at least out of the Premier League game for a while. But the original, at least for me in my Premier League watching, the original shutdown daddy. Bring back Tony Pulis. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, what's he Tony doing Pulis. these days? I was gonna say, is Tony Pulis on? Let's see, um, Let's see what he's doing. You know, I don't want to put that out in the universe. It. Yeah, man. Um, that that's the that's the worst part about this is if you're the last team to make a change, right? At this like scrapping around level, there's nobody left to like go to, right? You're gonna have to go to a caretaker manager. But you can't just like, like, okay, not to just keep bringing up Chelsea, but they're the other team in free fall and they just fired their manager, right? Chelsea can go to this assistant manager and maybe they take points off Real Madrid and they'll get through the rest of the season probably, right? But they won't be worried about being relegated, right? Basically, Chelsea's punting. 
if you're Lester, you can't punt. You have to go for it on fourth and 15, right? To use mm-hmm. an American football analogy. You have to be going for the Hail Mary. Who is the Hail Mary? Is Tony Poulos alive, Spencer? Have we reached a conclusion? He is alive. He has not managed Thank since God. 2020 when Sheffield Wednesday fired him. No, so. Well, I don't think Sheffield Wednesday was staying up that year. That, uh, that well, I never don't come up in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they stayed in the championship after firing him. I don't can't yeah, pretend to that, know. They're the owls. That. Who knows? Who knows? Who, who? But uh, that might be their Hail Mary, man. That's what I'm proposing. But I, I don't know. I've seen some names linked there. They got no fucking money, dude. They haven't bought anybody in have fucking any two years. They don't have any money. They don't have any, like, the players they have. And I, I guess, like, in hindsight, it's like, there's a reason they didn't get $50 million for James Madison's because they couldn't. They've always been so good at just buying players and then selling them off again. When the players are still there, it actually tells the story. Yeah. Right? It's like, hey. Like, if we sell him, we are injury. we are definitely going down. And there's nobody underneath We can't him. replace him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because even, like, I think, uh, I think Abubakar Samari is, like, the last guy they kind of bought that was kind of viewed as because i remember when they signed him going like in my head i was like i wonder if chelsea's gonna pay like 30 you know 50 million dollars for him in two years and he's been fine but they haven't been a solid enough team to even showcase their shiny parts right right? like they're just the squeaky wheel at this point and they got to get the grease yeah so I'm really interested to see where they go. I, I I don't know what that Hail Mary is. Like Poulos is a joke, but like that's not maybe not the worst idea, I guess. But they lost again today. Like late, they, they lost uh, again. Aston Perk- Villa, man, will make Aston Villa will make you feel some type of way about your team. I didn't. If you yeah, I'm, give I'm up just two goals that. to Aston Villa walking around with the hangman's noose, man. Oh, well, Unai yeah, Emery, this- Unai Emery, back to wreak havoc on the league that uh, besieged him. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, guess you don't think was... I'm good enough at Arsenal? You don't think I'm good enough at Arsenal? <laughs> guess what? You're all fired. Yeah, two, I guess you're that... giving two goals to me. You're gonna look silly. Lose your job, Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I, I guess technically you, that was uh, before the game today, but uh, still, like, they're Aston Villa is right. just no, murderers right. row right now for real. And uh, well done to yeah. Well, uh, I guess if you can't beat Roy Hodgson, you got to join him. Because that was that was their game of the weekend, but even then it was a wasn't yeah that was the ninety fourth minute like really nice turn from Mateta who looked yeah. like an actual goal scorer which he was brought in to score goals and he actually looked like it for the first time he had like a really nice turn on the ball and like slotted it home and that's a really tough uh, thing to go out on man yeah two straight tough two one losses for them so. Tough time to be a Leicester fan, but let's kind of uh, segue Leicester since, you know, we just went through their relegation thing. Let's kind of look at, a. I think that's like, amazingly, if you asked me a few months ago that we would start like a podcast of like, I'm Premier happy League that review, Chelsea's in the more starting interesting at the part. I like the Chelsea's in the more interesting part of the table. I think that that's, you know, it's actually boring. That what are you, You're not even eight, you're eight points away from the lead. Ugh. Yeah. What if no one, what if the idea of eight points is insane? Right, well, like Wolverhampton saw, would kill would kill anyone on their team for like eight points. Right, <laughs> I saw earlier like the uh, Premier League account put out a graphic of like the bottom of the table is crazy, and Chelsea's like nine points clear of Palace, and they put <laughs> Chelsea know. on there, and I felt bad for you. I was like, this is disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 we're just we. It, we're, there's a very clear Mendoza line. Chelsea knows drama. 
<laughs> Chelsea knows drop. Yeah, but like if Crystal Palace get hot here, I'm going to be sweating it out, bud. Like <laughs> usually you need 40 points to be safe. We don't have 40 points yet. Well, but see, moving on to the team that are actually sweating this out as opposed to just yeah, sweating all fucking nine of them. Sweating every dollar. Um yeah, man. Uh start at the bottom with our with our boys down in Southampton there. Yeah, Sitting at I, 20th in the Premier League. Is my I was gonna read off how many points they had, and of course I clicked on an ad for Brighton and Hove Albion. I love it. 23 points, six wins, and I feel like they've kind of weirdly been playing better lately, and that just hasn't I feel like I've said that. How many times do you think I've said that exact sentence? Because I, I well, think of them as being so bad. I think it was true for a minute, right? They kind of moved on from uh, Nathan Jones and they kind of seem to have a little bit of a bump, but uh, they're right back down again. They've the cream. What's the opposite of the cream rising? The cream has collapsed again. Like <laughs> something because they <laughs> yeah. uh, like this, this was a huge game at the bottom over the weekend between them and West Ham uh, and West Ham, like sign of life, at least of winning that game. But like you're, you're playing the 20th place team, at home, you you, you need like, to win this like game. Shit. They didn't right. If you good. you've only got one goal. You you ground ground out a one nil against them. Like I think I think it was that's what you right. have to do. It gets gets you up to fifteenth. But like, I think, yeah, man. It's am it's I mistaken crazy. that the goal was like off a set piece too? I think. Yeah. No, of course. Like a, off a corner or something. I I don't know. I could be totally wrong. I can't remember these games start running together, but. Nonetheless, I don't know. I, I can't sit here and bitch out West Ham after they got a 1-0 win, I guess. So, well done to them. Um, like, a couple other big ones at the bottom. Like, Bournemouth got three points winning against Fulham. Like, that was a huge result for them. Uh, Palace beating Leicester, like we already referenced. Wolves and Forest draw. So, I guess a big point for each of them. You, you want to not lose that game if you're either of them. But, I, I don't know. It's, it's just set up everything to be... We say it every week. I'm just running out of words to say, like, it's so chaotic at the bottom, but it's like, it's so fun. It, like, not being part of it, it's so fun to watch. Like, it's it's like watching the lobsters in the pot of, like, they're just dragging each other down. Like, which lobsters are going to escape this boiling pot of water, Andrew? Like, three of them aren't. Oh, yeah, man. Um, it makes for great entertainment for me as a <laughs> privileged as Manchester City fan. Hates lobsters. As someone who wants to boil animals alive, it's really good for Spencer. Um, <laughs> the views of Spencer do not necessarily reflect the views of Andrew. Um, but I get what you're trying to say, bud. Um, yeah, so the bottom three here, Southampton, Leicester, and then Bournemouth, right? Bournemouth, who I think have played really pretty good football. Um fall back down again after other uh after other results because i think i texted you on saturday yeah because bournemouth picked up a huge win right they take 2-1 they beat fulham um with a late dominic Solanke goal which is a name you haven't heard unless you played fifa 10 years ago um as like an up-and-coming like striker but you know even then like they can't quite climb all the way out because i think i texted you on saturday when those nine o'clock games ended being like Bournemouth to 15th, like, let's go. And of course, now by the time we're recording today, they are back down in 18th. But um, they're sharing, they're just splitting points with Nottingham right now at 27 points. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with um, they were one of those games today, Andrew. So they, they lost today to Brighton. Um, mm -hmm. So, yep. and 
couple that with Leeds beating Nottingham, which is a huge win for Leeds today. Yes, sir. Uh, it's just like like Leeds. I didn't mention them. They lost at the weekend playing Arsenal. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little later. But like, it's just there's no consistency down here, man. Like nobody's getting hot. It's just like all these teams randomly like win a game here or there. I feel like when they play each other, it's like a draw like a lot of the time, and it's just nothing's moving. Everybody's just stuck in the mud, man. Um, this is you know what this reminds me of, honestly. You know how like. Well, maybe for you as a Cardinals fan, it doesn't happen as much. But like when you're a Cubs fan and you're, you know, it's like August and you're looking at the standings going like, how did we, how are we in third place? How are we in, you know, one, two games under 500 and not playing well. Right. And then you look at the month of July and there's just like complete, because baseball is just such a random sport that like looking at the individual results doesn't make any sense. Right. You can sit there and be like, how did we get swept by the freaking Reds? And then you look into it more and it's like, they didn't even have any of their starting pitchers pitch well. We just lost to the Reds three, four times in a row. Why does that happen? That's what this game is. It's like they're, it's, that's this whole season. There's like, none of the results make any sense. There's no through line except for Arsenal wins and City wins. Um, everything else is just chaos, man. Yeah. It's just chaos. Um yeah, you're right. Huge points from Leeds today to get up to 29 points. They've got to be feeling a lot better. Um, and it's not like they embarrassed. I mean, they didn't play well, I would say. But, you know, right now losing 4-1 to one to Arsenal is what happens when you're in the bottom half of the table. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know if you want to transition kind of looking to, to the top here. But unless you've got any other kind of thoughts on on how this is going now. Right now, the last thing I'll say is these four teams tied at 27 points, West Ham, Everton, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. It's going to be an absolute drag race here to the end of the season. Somehow West Ham have two games in hand, which just makes me mad, and I hope they fire David Moyes. But, um, <laughs> but like, you know, we should even these games out. Like, almost everyone else on that uh, 11 through 20th has 29 games played. And then West Ham just basically took a week off. So, but yeah, that that's where this is going to be like that 18th spot through 15th. Like someone's going to get very, someone's going to get an own goal or hit the bar, and it's going to be the slightest margin that's going to keep somebody safe. I, I mean, we literally might be set up to like go into the final day with like six teams that could be relegated on the final day. Andrew, I oh. I, I want it so bad, I, and it would. Like that's, that's just, it's as entertaining as a bottom of the table has been in a long time, in my opinion. So, um, just, just like a side note too. I just remembered this, um, back to the managerial thing really quick. Uh, do you know, Desebri is already the 11th most tenured manager in the premier league? (laughs) Yeah, I do know that because I've been seeing a lot of like Chelsea won't go after Desebri. Like they're like the athletic put a whole article out and it was like, yeah, man, I get that he's not interested in this job. Like, <laughs> so I've seen a lot of things on Desebri today. Um, but yeah, man, he's, and I mean, yeah, we, I think with that, we can kind of transition to the, to at least the top half of the table, I'll at least scroll up here. Um, but huge result at the weekend, Newcastle in the third with a big win over United. Arsenal takes care of business. City takes care of business. That gap stays at eight points. Spencer, the favorite question I know you love every week. Are we going to 
get a title challenge here? Like, I know you're a little uh, blasé about it, but I think we'd all love it to be good at the top and the bottom. I'll tell you what, Andrew, this is kind of what I've come to is I, I know I was pretty dour on the city having a chance just because how good Arsenal have been. City looked incredible over the weekend. I will say that in that game against Liverpool, we can chat yes. a little more about that in a second. But um, Arsenal plays Liverpool this weekend at Anfield and say what you want about Liverpool. I have some things to say about them that are definitely derogatory here in a minute. <laughs> but um. Like at Anfield, Liverpool has been much more of what you would expect them to be this year, even in this year of unevenness for them. So if Arsenal go there and they're able to win that game, I'm I'm probably going to be ready to crown them as they shouldn't yeah. be able to fuck this up. But let's uh let's circle back on that this well, weekend. And and they don't exactly play a murderer's row past that. Right. right. Arsenal play West Ham, Southampton, and like Liverpool this weekend, right? Between the time you guys play them on the 26th. So this is kind of the last legitimate time they could slip up. Yeah. Everything, fair, everything else would be a big shot. Could happen. Right. Those teams at the bottom are going to be pushing like they haven't before. Right. right? Taking points off the leader could be a Bournemouth situation, but. Right. That's else? what I was going to say, even was um, to be fair that like. They are bottom table team, bottom of the table teams, like bottom half teams. But these teams are all extremely. There's no like comfortable Crystal Palace that's middle of the table that you get like late in the season, and it's just like they've already like resigned themselves to finishing between tenth and thirteenth, and it's no problem. Like they're all going to be very hungry to grind out what yeah. they can. You're, so, you're either you're either literally fighting to not get relegated, or you're fighting for Europe. Right. Or you're Chelsea. There are only three options. <laughs> you can only be one of three things this season, and Chelsea is Chelsea. So I think Liverpool's into that discussion with you guys now. Maybe Fulham even too. They've fallen off a little bit of late with uh, Mitrovic yeah. band. So we're getting a little bit of a middle bit of the table finally. But even then, like Villa's been on a roll, right? Now is not the time to play Villa. Yeah. Um, Brighton's been great. Brentford just always scary. You're right. Fulham's been slipping a little bit, but. You know, once Mitrovic gets back, I think they're back to a team you don't want to play against. Yeah, free my man, big meat. <laughs> Stop screaming at referees over obvious calls, Alexander Mitrovic. We beg of you. At least go over something that might be like a possible penalty or something. Like the Willian handball from two weeks ago. Wasn't it, Chief? And yeah. You absolutely earned your way off the field. But uh, circling back kind of here, I don't. do you have a ton on the Arsenal game? I thought they looked good. Like, Arsenal looked good. Well, I thought you they, guys looked good without Holland, right? Is always just like another feather in Pep's cap of like, how many hundred million strikers are you employing right now after not employing one for like 50 years? Um, Aguero was probably almost, you know, for the time, like a hundred million to somebody else. But, you know, after hating strikers, you seem to have no problem playing either one of those elite teenagers. Mm -hmm. Those elite children. Stop, ha stop having elite children. Pep, it's rude. Save some for everybody else. But um, yeah, I think Arsenal, like, I, I don't want to be dismissive of them battering a team 4-1. It's just that it's business as usual. It's kind of what I've come to expect of them. It's what you would have expected out of that fixture. I, I think well, I have more. They scored four straight. They right. went down 1-0, and then they were just like, yeah, we'll just score the next four. Right. So 
that's what on them. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think I have more on the city Liverpool game and then the uh, Newcastle United game. Which one do you want to start with Andrew? Uh, let's, let's let you get your thoughts and feelings out on the boys there. All right. I, um, I actually have more on Liverpool in this game, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll just give city their flowers really quick. Kind of like you alluded to no Holland, um, Julian Alvarez might be the like third or fourth best striker in the league. And he's not even starting for us. Well, low bar, but go ahead. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Fair. Um, but they, they looked really good. Right. And, um, fell behind early, kind of a sleepy play at the back. And it kind of felt like one of these Liverpool are going to do it again, type of games where city had a lot of the ball and they caught them on the counter. They're going to catch them on a counter a few times. And, um, Honestly, it felt kind of like roles reversed as opposed to what normally a City-Liverpool game kind of plays out in my head of watching them. Of mm-hmm. City normally struggle with Liverpool of like Liverpool can take it up to like 11 and kind of crank it up and they go on these like blitzes of City and they are able to blitz them for two or three or four straight quick goals. And it was City doing it this time. They were 1-1 at the half, came out, scored, and I believe in the first minute of the second half i think there was the Bruyne goal and then they just blitzed them got three quick ones and before you know it the game's just dusted like done and dusted four to one and then it's game over so i was very impressed with that that's that's not something i see a ton from city right like city do a lot of the slow like there are games where they're winning five nothing at halftime sure but i think a lot of the time these games especially against the better teams they're these slow like strangulations of we're going to just keep the ball forever. We're going to frustrate you. We're going to wait for you to make a mistake, right? They don't really take it to teams all the time. So I really like to see that that was in their bag. So I think that leads more into the Liverpool discussion of like, I know we've been kind of unsure of what's going on there. And maybe it's me being dismissive of like I just think of Liverpool as a very good team and I'm just like okay what's whatever they're gonna figure this out like this was probably to me the biggest moment of like this Liverpool team is really really off it up to like watch them in this game like fold the way they did against City and to just look in the second half like they couldn't hold a candle to what Manchester City was doing Mm -hmm. that's a huge indictment of Liverpool to me I it's know they've a huge lost of the gap. I, you guys have been the two measuring sticks, right? Right. And then they show similar today, right? They played right to Chelsea's level. Guess what? Not a level you want to be playing at, bud. You should see Chelsea on your on your thing right now, especially with no manager, and circle it with a big red. So for them to keep not impressing, right? I, I watched their game closely today. I watched them play against you guys on Saturday. Like, where's the fight in this team? Right, Where's I the mean, fire? the fire because yeah, like we associate with Liverpool over the last this is, five. Six this years. is like soft rock football. Where's my heavy metal football? Here this is John Mayer football. <laughs> I'm glad that he thinks that Mo Salah's body is a wonderland. Right? That's exactly the song. I, I knew was it was. I knew it was. I had it. I saw it in your eyes. Um, but like, that's what makes like that's supposed to make what Liverpool is special, right? Is like, yeah, every time you line up, like, just over the last, like, three years, right? You line up City's team and you line up Liverpool's team, right? 
outside of Sala, Mane, and Trent, right? And even then you could argue for, you know, who would get picked first out of that group, right? They didn't have the firepower, right? They had four incredible players. They had Trent, Virgil, Sala, and Mane, right? But like everybody, like you look at both teams, you go, yeah, City has a better team, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you can make the argument about star power individual play. But even then it's like, would you rather have Sala or Kevin De Bruyne? Right. And I don't think it's just a Holland thing. Right. Because they're also show like the Holland is making this talent gap show or even an Alvarez thing. Right. Because they played right to Chelsea's level today when we have no manager and we're in shambles and we fired two in a year. Like the fact that Klopp's not getting Klopp's very lucky that Chelsea is taking sucking all the vacuum of media attention out of, <laughs> out of this. Cause I think he should be getting some. Yeah. I, I think I agree. I, I think that he just had enough equity built up to where I think they've just decided they're writing this season off. But if this continues in the next year, I think he's got to start to. I, I'm not saying the, the seat the starts guy, to warm, right? But, right. The seat starts to warm though next year. Right. I think this goes into next year. I, like this is uh, as opposed to like Potter earlier, like Potter hadn't, built up the equity right like Klopp if there's a guy in the league there's who has enough With equity, equity it's, it's definitely Jurgen Klopp and or Pep, like yeah. Pep Guardiola so um but like this continues next year though I think the seat gets hot I agree with you because this yeah, this was pathetic this was this is as bad as I've seen Liverpool play in a long time like, I know they some, have and they've had injuries and stuff like that but like Sadio Mane just left mm-hmm. right and I know everybody just wants to not talk about that because Liverpool, to take up your idea of Liverpool being these English darling team that nobody ever wants to criticize for doing it the right way, right? I know that's your line. I'm going to steal it for a minute here. But he just left them, right? He played for, what, four or five years under Klopp, had as much success as you could possibly have, and pieced out of there for a better option. That's what makes City so impressive. KDB is not out of there for a challenge. Right. And Chelsea's had some of this, too. If you want to be an elite team, you can't just have guys going, well, the grass might be greener over there. I'm out. Right. So I think there's a real chance in like that next year we look it back at the money thing and go, we should have seen like kind of the writing on the wall. Yeah. As opposed to it just being like a one off, like, well, if Bayern calls, maybe you got to go. Right. Because that's true, too. But. What are you doing here? What's the well, plan? Like, also, I, I think that a bunch of Liverpool you can't, supporters... You can't afford Jude Bellingham. What's the plan? Right. Well, that's where I was going to go with the next. It's like a bunch <laughs> I, of Liverpool supporters have, I think, adopted the, like, Jude Bellingham's just the golden ticket, right? Like, this is... Like, we'll get Jude and he'll and fix he the midfield. he might be. Holy shit. Uh, he's, <laughs> I think he is a golden ticket, right? But... Should look, you're, Leicester hire Jude Bellingham as their coach, player coach, right now? Would they survive? Spencer, Maybe. yes or no? I need a firm yes or a firm no. I think you'd do enough to get them out of the bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> you get a midfield three of him, Tielemans, and Madison. You convince everybody football. If they get relegated the with that, the then I don't know. I, I don't well, then, know. Then he, then he goes home to Birmingham. Birmingham. But, uh, but like, look, they're not going to be in the Champions League next year. Like, I, I'm, we're ready to write off top four for them. At least I am. And, like, is Jude going to want to go there? So, I don't even know. Like, you might not even have a seat at the table to acquire that golden ticket. 
So, right. I don't know, man. This is like I said, they've had bad losses like against a Bournemouth or whatever. Sure. I kind of, I guess in a weird way is a city fan. Like sometimes those things just happen. Like those teams play a low block and just, you can't get anything going on that day mm-hmm. to see them against a like big team. What's been the standout fixture in this league over the last five years for them to look that bad. I know City beat them like one time a few years ago at the Eddie had like 6-1, but that game was, it felt like they were more competitive and City ran away with it late. Like this one just felt like in the second half, they felt miles apart in class. So this game was uh, over. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm worried. I'm worried about them. My antenna's up right. now. You have my, you have my full undivided attention Liverpool here. Like I was full, cause I was, they played your team and they played my team. You're always going to be under the microscope in those two weeks, right? Yeah. But like, I texted. I'm on record texting you saying I was worried Klopp was going to just destroy this Chelsea team, right? Klopp, for one thing or another, has always been so good at when there's blood in the water, right? Oh, your left back doesn't play out of the press well. Well, guess what? Left back's getting pressed, and we're going to force the ball there. Oh, your midfield doesn't do well with you know whatever. That's what they're doing. Right. He puts pressure on the other team to make plays. Chelsea like played through them pretty fine today. Right. Chelsea sucks. They make mistakes. They don't finish chances. Um, that's all still true. But like we came out in a five, three, two. Right. We weren't super threatening, but I, I thought we had the better of the chances. Right. I'm I'm the first person to be a little rose colored glasses to how Chelsea performed today. But um, but they they took it right to Liverpool and they were equals. Being equal with Chelsea this year is an insult. It's not It's not very nice. It's not a nice thing to say. If that's all you have to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. It's not a very nice thing to say. Yeah. Um, just one last thing on them that I've kind of, you've brought up there is uh, like in the city game, they early on, like the press looked good. They got that early goal. I guess what's shocking to me is like tactically, it looks like Klopp is still setting them up kind of what you said. It was like, he smells blood in the water. He knows what to attack. Yeah. It looks like they're organized the right way to me. It, but in the past, they've been so mentally resilient and it just yeah. feels like they gave up a goal at the beginning of the second half. And it was like game over, like city yeah. just took it to him at that point. That's something I would have never expected from them. They're such a mentally tough team. I don't know if something just fucking broke in their brain with them losing a couple finals last year that they lost a bunch of confidence maybe, but what? like, it, that's not what, that's probably what shocks me the most is they just don't look like they have the mental fortitude like they have in years past. Well, and like, I think I, I can hear the, the retractors to this conversation being like Liverpool have a lot of injuries, right? One. So does everybody else pretty much. Right. You got you played without like Chelsea Holland. were playing like Lewis Hall a couple months ago. Yeah, man, and you guys never even didn't heard play, of that guy. You guys didn't even play Holland today or uh, on the weekend, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, injured over break, whatever, right? But like, if this was like for the title, I bet Holland plays, right? Maybe, who knows? But uh, I don't know the actual jumping around the, the press end. box. That's what I'm saying. It's not like he was on crutches, but like. This is the team they rolled out against. Uh, they rotated against Chelsea, uh, I will say. But like Van Dyke, Kanate, Andrew Robertson, Trent Alexander Arnold. Isn't that supposed to be one of the best back fours uh, in the world? Pretty much, right? Especially three of those four. And then Fabinho, Jordan Henderson, the captain, plays for England. 
and Harvey Elliott, which you want to say that's the weak point, guess what? Aren't you guys supposed to bring te- bring young players into this team and help it grow the game and everything? Harley, Elliott, Harley Elliott has not been good enough. Mo Salah scores, scores early, right? But then Cody Gakpo, big signing. Is he going to be a, you know, played really well at the World Cup. And then Diogo Jota has been the guy you brought in to, like, replace Firmino and Mane, right? Like, to argue that this isn't a full-strength team might be true, but that lineup is not a... Any team on the Chelsea half of the uh, on the Chelsea half of the table would gladly take that eleven versus whatever they have. Yeah, there's right? there's enough there that they should be at least challenging at the very bare minimum, at least challenging for top four, so like in like the to, mix. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they are they're not doing that. And I think the media focus would be on them if Chelsea was just like quietly in third. Yeah, That's really I think how that. I feel. I think Chelsea. If Chelsea wasn't doing a crazy implosion for the last calendar year since their (laughs) war criminal owner got removed, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's kind of where the focus would be. Um, Do we want to cover that three, four, five here in this table just before we start moving on and looking ahead? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say let's. uh, Yeah, the biggest. Let's move on to some top four teams because. the actual I mean, the actual best game of the weekend we have not talked about. The actual most you, important game of the weekend we've completely ignored up to minute uh and up to an hour. So now it's time to get into the real interesting you, football of the weekend. Are you referring to the Newcastle Resort results? I am, I am referring to the Newcastle result, man. What a result for them, eh? For the Magpies, they uh, avenge their Carabao Cup loss to Manchester United from about a month ago. Win 2-0, pip them into the top four. United's knocked down to five right now. they got mm-hmm. a couple of games on Spurs in hand, so that may change. But uh, Newcastle kind of turning it on over the last couple of weeks, Andrew. We were thinking they had started to really waver over the last while, and uh, they were going to fall out of this race. But uh, this was a, definitely an assertion of they aren't going anywhere. They're here to try to stay in this race until the very end. Absolutely. I was actually hanging out with a buddy of mine on Saturday night who's a big Newcastle fan. And we were talking about like how much I love all the moves they've made. It's just that over the last couple months, like the goals have just completely dried up. Right. So getting a goal here from Willick, one here from Callum Callum Wilson, just does a lot. Like if they can get two goals, the other team's not scoring. Right. Like I wonder what the I mean, we could look this up, right? But like, have they given up more than two goals in a game this year? I'd be kind of shocked to see that. You know what I mean? Just from how pragmatic they are defensively, and they're usually really well organized with Eddie Howe. Um, but um, Isak gives them 80 minutes. Uh, not your dog, the uh, striker. Um, which, shout out, Spencer got another dog there. Mira. Shout out, Mira. Shout um, out, Mira. Shout out, Mira. Adorable. Um, but, you know, without Almiron kind of giving that weird boost that, you know, Miguel Almiron was the best player in the Premier League for like a month. And then Marcus Rashford thought that was silly and took over that kind of mantle. But um, not completely shut down today, but really did a really good job against this Manchester United team, right? And full-strength United team, right? No issues there. I guess they didn't have uh, Casemiro. But um, but even then, just, just a really impressive uh, performance from Newcastle. Yeah, and um, honestly, I, I just it was a 
declaration of intent to me of like I said, they're not going anywhere. So uh, it's that, that race is exciting. Uh, we haven't mentioned Spurs because Spurs have not given us anything to mention. They drew with Everton. So, oh, on a missile. Yeah, it was on a missile. Missile, dude, from uh, Michael Kane. Like, there's getting, there's, there's, there's giving up a late equalizer, right? It's happened to all of us. There's no worse feeling of just like, oh, we had this in hand. And then, but for Michael Kane, for Everton, and Sean Dyche to put on the cape and just put an absolute rocket into the back of the net was a special kind of torture that I think uh, I even feel bad for Spurs fans on it. Like that was just well, kind of a special, like, holy cow, man. Well, like, shout out to uh, Spurs because they're up 1 0 playing against 10 because uh, Decore taking a red card around the hour mark. And oh, Lucas yeah. Mora was like, oh, yeah, let's even this up for you guys. You guys are in trouble. I got you. Takes a red. And Keane scored two minutes later. So Tottenham is what Tottenham does, man. I, I don't know. I, I can't have Quick, this discussion uh, again. I, I still don't know what to say. No Conte, but I still don't know what to say. Sorry. Quick, quick interjection. The most goals Newcastle's given up this year is in the third game of the season. They tied with Man City. Remember that game? 3-3? I do remember that game. They have not given up. They only gave up three goals once. They took points off one of the best teams that game, right? And other than a 2-0 or 2-1 loss to uh, Liverpool, like, they don't have any other, like, you know, usually like somebody gets you four one, right. right? It just happens. There's late goals, right? You push for a goal, but other than losing two games to Liverpool that they lost two nil, they have just been incredibly solid this year. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt your point, but the research came back on that, and I was pleasantly surprised. No, you're all good, and um, I, I think that that's a good way to segue right before we get out of the Premier League stuff. That speaking of three three. Uh, Maybe the game actually of the weekend from an entertainment yes. standpoint. Your boy, I, I, we did. We need Your to you call, did call it. it. You did call it last week. Brighton Brentford was so fun. It's actually the game I watched in that nine o'clock block, and uh, oh, I mean, it was uh, what well, I believe it. Brentford took the lead three times, and Brighton scored all three times again to keep tying it up. So oh, that man. game was great. That game was a lot of fun. That was just a good palette cleanse of like oh this is a great soccer like thank god city did what they did early in the morning that i was like still wanting to watch soccer and i watched that because <laughs> it was great that was a treat to yeah. watch andrew yeah no it was a fantastic game it kind of has everything you expect from both teams if you just look at like who scored for each team right 21st minute uh for brighton right Matoma evens the game back up. That dude has been a firecracker and a perfect, like, and that goal he has too is like a long breakaway goal. I think it's like a direct ball from Jason Steele, the goalie, right? Just runs behind, beautiful touch, great finish. Danny Welbeck, another equalizer. Just that guy is just making plays, man. Like just doing it at a high level and a guy that, you know, kind of exemplifies Brighton. It's like, yeah, he's played for all these other teams, but he's really getting it done here. And then an Alexander Mack penalty, an Alex Mack penalty to tie this thing and take it home. And then I think you can say the same for Brentford. They get goals from Jansen and Pinnock, right? So two defenders, right? So they get scruffy goals, and then they get one from the golden boy, Ivan Tony. Yeah. Like, 
even just the box score alone is enough to be like, hey, what's the story of each of these teams? Brighton, crazy resilient. Brentford, crazy organized. They get goals from everybody, and Ivan Tony's a monster. Yeah. Like, a microcosm of their seasons for both of them and probably a fair result. That game was just fun. I just wanted to give it a shout out of it. That was absolutely. a lot of fun. You called it. So well done by you. Uh, great soccer game just to watch. If you're introducing somebody to the sport, maybe they'd be of like the American mindset of like, you could tie in this thing, but you know, that was one of those ties at the end of the draw that I was just like, okay, I, I don't care that nobody won this game. You guys both yeah. should, you guys both should. And, and then and a 90th minute penalty is tough, but right. I didn't have an issue with it. But uh, I think that about wraps up the Premier League stuff, man. Um, and the European docket, a little dry this week. There was one tasty one that was a yes, Der Klassiker in uh, the Bundesliga between Bayern and Dortmund, one versus two. And um, this was one, Andrew, that I had kind of slipped my mind that it was on on Saturday or Sunday, whichever day it was. I got a little mm-hmm. distracted and I – uh, realized my mistake, like learned to look to open the ESPN app to turn it on my phone and saw that it was already three, nothing Bayern after like yeah. 30 minutes. And I was like, yep. Oh, well this probably isn't worth my time anymore. <laughs> and was, four too, but like what a letdown kind of from what was one of the biggest Dirk Laskers we've had in a long time. Well, and I wonder if you're like, Oh, it slipped my mind. I'm like, did you maybe just block out Thomas Tuchel's debut with Bayern because you don't want to see the train coming down the tracks, bud? You know, is it like one of these like, oh, I can't remember that car accident because it was a horrific thing. You know, like, do you think your brain was just trying to protect you subconsciously? Possibly. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, where I, I think it was just a case of I am. I've, I've been getting, dude, I've just gone into full. I was talking to my wife about the other day. I've gone like full just suburban dad mode, even though I don't have a kid yet. Just a couple of dogs and a cat. But like. Just out there, cargo shorts, doing fucking yard work on the weekends, man. I'm I'm a fucking joke. I'm so old, dude. So old as I approach 30 years old. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. This game sucked. I, I don't know. I don't have anything on it. <laughs> Poor nothing. Like, it's just, I, I guess the league's not over because it's a two-point gap now. Byron went back top by two as they came in, one-point trailing. But uh Maybe, maybe Dortmund can beat up everybody else and Bayern slips up somewhere else. But uh, talk about statements of intent. Like this was Bayern being like, no, 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 this is still ours. Just so you know, no, and, and, you might have fucking thought. Tuchel, this- Tuchel showing up and being like, I'm pretty good if you hire me mid-season. <laughs> if you hire me mid-season, uh, things get exciting. <laughs> Pretty good. Notoriously pretty good at the midseason hire, Mr. Mm-hmm. Tuchel. But um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how Germany plays out, man. We'll keep tabs. But that uh, for all of us that were maybe a little excited that Bayern might not win the league this year, this was a big blow to our <laughs> excitement. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Thomas Mueller back in the goals. Just not what you want to see. Not, not what you want to see, especially if that uh, train's coming down the tracks as it is for one of us more than the other. I'd love to have that problem. Means we got yeah. Real Madrid. Uh, but uh, should we look ahead to the weekend and then start getting out of here, bud? Yeah, sure, buddy. Uh, what, what about you? What do you you see anything this weekend that's really catching your eye? We already kind of talked about Arsenal. Yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool, Arsenal, Arsenal, Liverpool's the biggest game of the weekend. You're right. It's absolutely a statement of 
um, kind of intent from either side, or not even a statement of intent, like Arsenal can kind of put this away for the next month until mm-hmm. they play you guys, right? Because they've yeah. just got an easy run of games. Um, my uh, my pick for like what might be the most fun game to watch of the weekend is I think I'm sneaky going to go with Brighton Spurs. I just think Brighton is a fun team to have there. Um, and going against Spurs when they're a little bit in shambles but still have just all this firepower. Like, you know, they, they you know what? Retracted statement. You should never watch Spurs play. That was my <laughs> bad for even thinking that. Complete, I, I just... complete flip the script there. I'm going with Brentford Newcastle as a game I literally did not have. I had scrolled down too far and had not scrolled all the way back up as I thought I had. I thought I seriously had to look at it and go, is the first game Fulham West Ham? Oh, no, it's not. There's always a 630 and then three more games around there. No, I'm going to go Brentford Newcastle. Um, Newcastle has a new acumen where they score goals and try to do fun things. And Brentford just are fun and scrappy and literally never who you want to play. What about you, bud? I'm sorry for not scrolling back up. No, that's all, all good. I, that was funny because you, I don't know if you were in the zone. I, I gave you a nice little eyebrow raise when you bought up Tottenham as a game to watch this week. I was like, oh, I like, yeah, Brighton's fun, but Tottenham's like the antithesis of fun. So, fun has had at Spurs' expense, not with Spurs. You're laughing at them, not with them. But uh, honestly, I think uh, outside that Liverpool Arsenal game and the ones you mentioned, uh, the fun's at the bottom, man. Um, yeah. Leeds Crystal Palace on Sunday, two teams that can kind of, if one of those teams can secure three points in the game, like do maybe. you think they're both just going to tie? Like just look at each other, just like a gentleman's agreement. Like, hey, man, one point kind of gets us that, out of here. Yeah, that could be a like they both like at the fringe. If either if either of us lose, it'll be a night. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they're both at like the fringe of like being they're twelfth and thirteenth right now, thirty and twenty nine points. Like uh, three points either way would kind of give you a little bit of breathing space, which would be nice for either. But might be a gentleman's tie, so we'll see. Uh, the <laughs> other one that's a lot of fun. Brendan, is, that's uh, why they brought in Brendan Rodgers. He's uh, incredible at negotiating gentlemen's ties. <laughs> He's like, come, uh, on, come on, just like a one one, just like a one one. We'll let <laughs> we'll let Gay get a header right, and then if you let like Aronson tap one in. It'll be fine. Come on, one one. It'll right. be great. But uh the other one that's a lot of fun is uh Bournemouth Leicester, eighteenth, nineteenth, both in real, yes, real sir. trouble on uh Saturday. Talk about, so. talk about a game people need. Yeah. Talk about a game where you're gonna be like, hey, which team is the hungriest? Like, I am openly, I think, rooting for Bournemouth to figure out a way to get out of this, man. Yeah. I, I think I, we've all, we've already established in the past we're we're both like like sneaky have soft spots in our heart for Bournemouth. So I'm with you for on teams that, that are like at, at the bottom, out. at the bottom, but like should be there. I almost want to reward them for being like, look at you guys for being competitive. Whereas like lesser it's, they're not exactly in the West Ham bubble, but uh, I'm ready to uh, ship them, ship them <laughs> out. But uh, yeah, I think overall that's, uh, that's what's looking kind of tasty this weekend, man. Um, should be another good weekend of soccer. Like, like I said, lots of, so much jeopardy for so many of these oh, teams. Tomorrow, there's, real there's quick, Brentford, Brentford United play tomorrow at two. Yeah, it's, yeah the rematch of yeah. Brentford early in the season made Eric Ten Hag their <laughs> bitch in the reverse fixture. So we'll see if it goes as bad for oh. him at Old Trafford. 
Yeah, and even West Ham Newcastle, like there's arguably there's a lot more on the line in that game, right? And I want Newcastle to beat them by fifty. <laughs> fifty? Like a touchdown. I want to just get on the spot and talk about touchdown Newcastle. That's what I want to do. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh yeah, I think that's all I got. I'm excited to see how it uh, plays out over the weekend. But uh, you, you got anything else, or you want to move on to the post game pint real quick, my friend? Yeah, man. Let's uh, let's let's uh, start heading towards the exit here, bud. Well, uh, soccer oriented this week. It's my week. All I, right. I come out with a soccer oriented one. Yes, We're not sir. going off on a complete weird thing. Um, shots. <laughs> Shots. I go off on completely weird tangent. What did I ask you a few weeks ago? I know, ago? but I did Shower it last week. night or day? <laughs> I did it last week. You're like, we're going to go off on something weird. I'm like, no, it was sports adjacent. It's baseball opening weekend. Uh, opening I, day. Even. If All anything, right. buddy, go that's ahead, more of ahead, a shot ahead. at myself, buddy. I promise you. But, All uh, right. Okay. All right. Uh, we're we're staying soccer centric. We're we're going with something I mentioned a minute ago. I just have been this old motherfucker lately, and I'm just nostalgic about the past. Like a, a couple weeks ago, you were in town. We're listening to all the old music. I'm out doing yard work on fucking Saturday mornings and shit when I'm not watching soccer. Old man, right? So, yep. been kind of reminiscing a bit about things from the past, and I, I started reminiscing the other day about soccer and like when i got into soccer like early 2010s and stuff and i was thinking about guys right that had really made me like gravitate towards this sport guys that helped Mm -hmm. me like you know pay they were the pioneers in my soccer fandom right kind of the early torch carriers so i wanted to go through with you and i like three guys i wanted to pick three guys right okay that really helped us fall in love with this game early on a uh, couple ground rules because we are civilized men here. I don't want to just end up to be like, I like these three guys from Manchester City or from the USMNT or Chelsea. So my three rules are I want you to go yep. one guy from Chelsea early on, one club guy, right. sure. go one USMNT guy, yep. and I'm going to argue with the USMNT guy, go a little off the beaten path. Don't go for like a Dempsey or a Donovan. Those are too obvious. Okay. I think that's that. Those are like god tier answers for everybody. Like, they, yeah, we loved watching. We love watching those guys score goals against whoever England. Right, whoever. but it's almost like who? When did you know you cared more about this than just right. like the watch the final or something like that? Right. And then the third one that is where I would like you to just go completely left field. Maybe a guy you saw at a World Cup or that played against Chelsea or Champions League or something that you were just sure. like. That guy's really exciting to watch play. I want to watch this game because I just want to watch him do whatever he's going to do. I want to watch him cook. So, so uh, I'm ready. I, I well, I would like to propose me going with my my first choice, and then my wild card, and then giving me time to think about the USMNT guy. Would that okay, be okay? How about we do it this? How about we do it this way? Right? Let's let's both go. Uh, let's both go club guy first. Then okay, and you go your club guy. It gives you a little time to think. As I tell sure. you mine here in a second. Perfect. So what do you got? As the story I've kind of told before, right? Is like the first game I ever really watched was the Drogba header game. Drogba, right? Scoring that game-winning header in the Champions League final, um, and that was like my first introduction to soccer player that made me fall in love from like a Chelsea standpoint was Eden Hazard, right? I started watching right when he was arguably the best player in the world, right? That probably three year run where it was like, you know, I, I don't think I would ever make the argument he was better than Messi or Ronaldo, right? Just because 
you know, sheer number of goals and stuff like that. But you could not tell me anybody was better than him, right? Outside of those two. Um, just the keeping the ball on the foot, that magic with that front line of like Pedro and William and Diego Costa. Um, I know this is me cheating and naming like six guys. Um, but uh, <laughs> I have a bigger cheat for my wild card coming up because um, the player that introduced me through the chaos of soccer will absolutely come up for my wild card choice. But Eden Hazard, just so smooth, running, finishing just around people, couldn't be stopped. Like, I mean, wa- go watch some Eden Hazard highlights. It's as close to like a Derrick Rose highlight mix as I can get. And Derrick Rose highlight mix is the number one praise I can give a highlight mix. Yeah. Um, you're totally fine to go off and name a couple other guys because I'm definitely going to sneak some like honorable mentions into mine. But um, mm-hmm. I-, I think for me... I should have picked Kevin De Bruyne just so you couldn't pick him. That would have <laughs> been a really nice move on my turn with the first pick. Be like, nope, KDB at Chelsea, my pick. Well, I, I think that would have fallen more into your realm, right? Because I was pretty well in doctor to the game. Like Kevin De Bruyne, definitely, I- I'd already been watching the games at the point i love kevin de bruyne yeah. right he's i think he's great but I, i'm going a little further back right a guy that did it in the midfield a little bit earlier for city mm-hmm. yep and there's only one way to go right i think you know where this is going yaya Torre, man that 13 14 yeah. season one of the seasons like one of the first seasons i was really into this premier league stuff just a big fucking dude man <laughs> 35 games, 20 goals, nine assists from the midfield and playing like box to box the entire time. That guy was so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch at that point. And it was, you you had to turn the games on just to see what was going to happen. I felt like, but um, he's definitely probably top of the list from that. Like uh, infancy, my soccer infancy period of like really Mm -hmm. getting into the premier league. Uh, But like a couple honorable mentions, I always like Aguero, obviously super sure. high up there. Um, I always had a the, soft. Don't say the name. Don't what? What name? Don't you say Nicholas Otamendi? No, it's not where I was going. This podcast right now. I will not go to any defender <laughs> from City at that time. I did not enjoy any. Of, I I liked Alexander Kolarov a little bit. Yeah, back yeah. Left. Foot, nice left right? foot. Nice yeah, left foot. Dude. Nice free kick once in a Throw while. It in there. Yeah. Uh, the guy I was going to go for like a interesting guy I always really liked to watch play was when they would play up two up top with Aguero and Jekko. I always kind of liked watching those two play. They were just so yeah, different. They're, like they're Aguero, yeah. Aguero was like that shifty small striker and Jekko was just this like aerial threat hulking yeah. guy. Yeah. So that was always fun. I always liked them. Maybe it's like it's the D's. Look at a position and be like, those two are both the best at the same job. Pretty right. much. Like, those two guys do the same thing. Right. And then, like, uh, I, I think that just might live in my head, too, because that was when you were, like, learning how to pronounce soccer names, and I still fuck some up, but I, like, think I called him D Zeko for, like, three months <laughs> before I was finally like, oh, it's Jekko. I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, uh, like, one last guy I have to shout out if we're talking Manchester City, guys, is David Silva, obviously. Magician. Amazing. So fun to watch. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably a pretty sufficient amount of honorable mentions. Um, you got a USMNT guy yet, or you want to go with your random guy first? No, let me go with the wild card here. So right, what do you got? I'm going to immediately break your rule because you said wild card. And there is only one player that is the truest wild card in soccer, regardless of team, regardless of competition. And it's David Luiz. 
you talk about a wild card. First of all, what's not to love about the dude when he's playing for Chelsea, right? Running around, hair whipping behind him, a defender, just absolutely like bossing the game in a way that I had never seen before, right? Like at that time, think about how many defenders were dynamic. And I didn't know enough about soccer to be like, hey, John Terry's allowing this to happen by being like the most solid center, like the best actual player on the field, right? Um, but David Luiz run around taking free kicks and just doing wild shit. And he'll absolutely go for an insane play way high up the field, get blown by and pick up a horrible red card and cry on the way off the field. What made soccer fun to me was just this absolute wild card of a man playing at the time for Chelsea and then it continued for Arsenal like I will always love David Luiz give me that big giant sprint up for a crazy free kick that's got no business even being attempted directly give me David Luiz give me the epitome of wild card I'm look I I think that if there's anybody out there that's going to stir like raise a grievance with that since he was a Chelsea guy I think I'm going to give you a pass on this because I think you're talking like a PSG David Luiz where absolutely not but yes but even like for Brazil like you talk Brazil but like like, okay if you're telling me you're thinking because like by the time you got to Chelsea or Arsenal right like I think we by that point I was because I was the same way I saw him at PSG and it was early on and I was like oh this guy's just everywhere he he might it might be just it might just be the hair but I was just like this guy's everywhere I, I notice him all the time and he just obviously must be good because I know him all the time. Now I'm a little, you know, more refined where I'm like, yeah, he's 40 yards out of position. That's why I'm noticing him. <laughs> By the time he, he got to like he did Chelsea, just play a crazy diagonal ball. Right. That wasn't a good idea. Right. Like it worked out because he's nuts. But like, I think just to even like kind of bring it around to just a more of a soccer player as a whole type of thing to show that just like, just because you're a center back doesn't mean you're Gary Cahill. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're the most solid team captain, maybe get something in at the near post, right on a corner, score a big goal, lead the team, John Terry type of guy. Right. It's the flavors of soccer and the different kind of players, like exactly what you were talking about with Aguero and Dzeko. Right. right? Those two dudes do the same job. David Luiz and Gary Cahill are the same position. They do the same job in principle. And it's I just that's what I love about soccer. There's not a one way to do things, right? Right. Yeah. Um. You know where I thought you were gonna go with when you're like, there's one true wild card in soccer. I, I the David Luiz was a good shot, but I thought you Danny, were gonna Danny go. Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> no, not not <laughs> Danny, Danny D. D. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go Luis Suarez because you literally never know what he's going to do on that's the field. He might true. he might bite somebody. He might commit a handball on the line. Like, he might have the nastiest like backhill touch you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like he was a guy. Like to be fair, I, I was very. Uh, he, he helped honestly that Uruguay team in the 2010 World Cup was like one of the teams so I really fun. got behind. So much fun mm-hmm. to watch. I'm actually gonna go with my guy as a different guy off that team. Although Luis Suarez was a lot of fun. I really, Come really on. liked no, I really Ooh. liked Diego Forlan when he was on that team, dude. <laughs> about blast from the past, eh? He yeah, baby. he was like I, I watched I would watch Uruguay play because I, I watched him play early enough in the tournament and I was like, man, this team's just like fun. They play like they're making soccer fun. 
and uh, Forlan was just in the middle of it all, right? You had like a young Suarez. That, that game, obviously, in Ghana is one of the best games I've ever watched of soccer still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, that team was just so fun. Forlan was in the middle of all of it, and I just always thought he was so much better. He's an Uruguayan guy with like this bright blonde hair, like bleached blonde hair. You noticed him on the field. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was crazy to me that like, I remember because that was like my first really getting into soccer. Like I really got into that 2010 World Cup. And then, you know, I didn't necessarily like gravitate to the club game right away until a couple years later. And then I was like, oh, what happened to that Forlan guy? And he's playing in like fucking South Korea or something. And I'm like, is that a good league? And then I'm like, no, apparently it's not. Like, what's he doing there? I thought he was so good, (laughs) but he was one that was just always so much fun. One other honorable mention from that World Cup, particularly because this was kind of at the height of his powers. A, other, a former Chelsea guy as well, uh, Fernando Torres, man. Yeah. At the height of his powers, he yeah. was so fun to watch. It was that there was a short little peak, right? But at that peak was he was right there with like a Messi and Ronaldo at that peak for like three years. Fell off so hard afterwards, but. For that little bit of time where Spain was winning fucking everything, he was so fun to watch at the, at the spirit I, of that Spanish attack. Dude, so good. Um, can I tell you, you know, and I, I think I've mentioned it on here before, there's nothing I love more than a devastating chip, a chip shot, right? Chip the keeper, anything like that. Can I, just because now, because this is the best part about when people just bringing up nostalgia things, right? You brought up like, Fernando Torres. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you who made me fall in love with like just the cleanest little chip shot? Who is is that? Chelsea player Ramirez, like pre-Conte Conte for that team. He gets a big chipped goal against Barcelona and it's the most cat and he doesn't score. He's not a score goal scorer, but it's just the most casual little dink chip shot from like 20 yards out that I've ever seen. I was just like, I didn't know you could be so smooth. As mm-hmm. to just casually chip the Barcelona fucking goalie, right? Um, but I'll swing it to you here. Who is your, um, or do you want me to go first here? If you got your uh, USMNT guy ready, I, I've got one locked and loaded. Uh, okay. you you got one ready yet, or yes, you want me and, to? So yeah, go ahead. And I'm, I'm fired off, that. Man. I'm going to use that as a. So I learned that Ramirez taught me that I love watching a goalie get chipped. But do you know where the best place to fucking chip a goalie is? <laughs> Spencer. From midfield. I can tell you right there. It's from midfield. And more specifically, it's in the Azteca. Michael fucking Bradley. The man that started it all with the nepotism with the United States men's soccer team. A player so good, we've got to hire his dad and continue to bring in the parents and personal friends of the U.S. men's national team, right? If you're going to tell me I can't take Dempsey, right? If you're going to take the absolute top level off, I do feel a little bit bad picking, like, the next guy right under it, right? But that was the team. These these were my guys, Right? Bradley, and then my my backup here would be Demarcus Beasley. I remember yeah. playing like a a game called like MLS Free Kick or something in like two thousand and two, and Demarcus Bradley was on the Chicago Fire, and that dude was fast as hell. They had like him and like Stoichkov and that like it was just like you know you remember players on weird video games and stuff like that, right? But mm-hmm. 
I always loved Michael Bradley, man. I don't know that I can ever. I was apologizing for him being in the team long after he probably shouldn't have been. Um, and I hate that he kind of wears that um, not making the last World Cup. Because I think it right. kind of tarnishes what I think should be a legacy of like clearly our best midfielder. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I love in, Michael Bradley. Yeah, I'm in step with you on that because look, I, I think that his time had come where it was you know, we, we needed to move on and kind of get this interjection of youth into the program. But Michael Bradley was really good for this team for so a solid good, man. six, seven, eight years. Like you said, probably our best midfielder on the team. I, I think that's 151 clear. caps and 17 goals from midfield. Yeah. And a lot of that was spent as like way back CDM type stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like young Michael Bradley's like making runs into the box and doing like, Really good, really good stuff, man. I, I I really wish that move to Roma kind of would have worked out for him. Yeah. Because I think it would change the perspective of him just being like Mr. MLS and Bob's mm. kid. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think my, he had a lot of favorite players, man. He had a lot of stuff working against him in his time with the US program. But yeah, very good player for us for a long time. So uh, you got no gripes with me. I, I think the end of his legacy was very much tarnished by that lack of qualification in 18. But uh, he was a really good player for us for a long time. I, yeah. I have, uh, I've gone for my main guy, someone in the midfield also, and this is completely off the board. Somebody you know, I'm sure, but just like a what? <laughs> that guy? Sasha Kleschen. <laughs> not Sasha Kleschen. Not that off the board, maybe. Can, wait, I'm, hold on. Hold on. Can I try to guess him? Give me like two hints. If you're going to go uh, off the board, I'm going to at least think about it. Okay. Uh, midfielder. Sure. And uh, MLS guy. MLS Ooh. guy, I don't think he was on the roster in 10, but he was definitely at the 14 World Cup. Like Dax McCarty or somebody stupid? <laughs> like uh, MLS guy. Um, is he like a media figure now? I don't think he's doing media nowadays, okay. but... Uh, Go ahead and like, tell me, man. I'm, I, it, did he start next to Bradley? I think a bench a bench guy a lot of the time, but he got a couple of starts in there also, man. If you're talking, oh, oh, Kyle Beckerman, Kyle fucking Beckerman, yeah, yes, the man with the dreadlocks, the white guy with the dreadlocks. It might just be the dreadlocks that I'm nostalgic about, but I just I always liked watching that guy play. I'm convinced it was probably just the dreadlocks because he was not the greatest. I picked David Louise, so there's no argument for me (laughs) on hair selection being a big part of this. But like, yeah, man, dude, Kyle Beckerman, you talk about just solid defensively. I just liked watching him play, man. I just liked seeing him in a U.S. kit. The the dreads flopping around on the field, worked hard, like lunch pail guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I always enjoyed Kyle Beckerman for some reason. I had a weird. Weird thing where I enjoyed him on the U.S. team, even though he was definitely not the best player out there. I thought but... for sure you were going Jermaine Jones until you said uh, <laughs> until you said MLS, and I was like, Ugh. "That's my that's my honorable mention is Jermaine Jones." If you would have yeah. stolen Beckerman, I had Jones in the chamber just in okay. case because also kind of the same thing. Um, not the most skilled guy out there, but just lunch pail guy worked hard. Had that huge goal off the corner against. Uh, who was, was it, oh, I guess, right. Portugal or Ghana? I can't oh. remember which game that was, but that there's no that, way if you Google Kyle Beckerman goal, multiple things come up. So I'll have that answer for you here in a second. Well, that was the Jermaine Jones one at the World Cup. 
Uh, Jermaine Jones sends the curler in. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a header. I can't remember. I'm old. I'm like probably. The Jermaine Jones one is that great camera angle where they go behind and they show like the swerve that he puts on it. And he has like no business even really shooting it except for fuck it. We're not playing that well in this game. But uh, just two guys I really liked when they. Panama. I think it's got to be Panama, right? No, he had one at the World Cup. He definitely had one at the World I Cup. He, I think this was at the World Cup. Huh? Uh, like I said, I, I could yeah, just... Sorry, continue the... I, I could just totally be off base, but I could have sworn he had a big goal at the World Cup, and it was, uh, what's his name, Martin Tyler or whatever, who was like, it's Jermaine Jones for the U.S. Oh, I thought you were still talking about uh, Kyle Beckerman having a big no. goal. No, Jermaine Jones is, yeah. Jermaine Jones is like, I think of him as like the poster boy for the German American grandparents, right? Yeah. He ran. So he walked so that John Anthony Brooks could like run, um, which you remember that used to be John Anthony Brooks. And he had that yeah. big header goal too, where we thought, yeah, we he did in that same world. Cup. He just starts crying. Oh, mm-hmm. well, he just goes down and like, can't contain his emotions. He's like, he's like a baby at that time, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyle Beckerman, what a pull. I just because you've gone to the German American route quickly. Do you have like you've just and unlocked a memory of like a U.S. guy, a U.S. M&T guy who I really didn't like? I was wondering if you have oh, one. Was it just Julian before you Green? No, but he's, he'd be. Up I thought there. you were. Do you? Th- oh no. Okay. My question is retroactively: How much stock would you have had on Julian Green if this podcast was taking place like twelve years ago? Yeah, a lot. Like right when they scored, when he scored that goal against. Uh, garbage time goal he just catches it sweet and i think it's in the world cup um, well, i remember he didn't he have like a goal remember those like two friendlies the u.s had where they like beat the netherlands and no, germany this back is, to this back is, this is after that this right is, but this i'm is saying before, no this is before that right so like, i'm saying this is what i'm thinking of like when i think of julian green i think he scored in that germany game or something and we like got two friendly victories against good european teams and we were like we might be one of the best teams in the world and then we missed the fucking world cup right after it yeah that's no, what i think about with julian green no he i think scored because like the stat is always the last america who's the last american to score in the world cup and it's like for a long time it was julian green man oh Shout out to Tim Weah and Christian. Yeah, he makes he, he's like the last him. guy on the he's the last guy in the twenty fourteen World Cup. Um, I'm gonna find it here because this is killing me. I just realized now, like until the next World Cup, the last guy to score for the U.S. is Haji. Yeah, Haji <laughs> with the sandwich. But while you look at that, I, I'm gonna go he on had about a the guy. Volley in the 170th minute with his first touch against Belgium. In the round of sixteen, yeah, that's right. Youngest that's player right. to score at the world at that World Cup, like you know, and I think he was. And it all time. came Ooh. crashing down. <laughs> uh, but who was but, who was your uh, who were you alluding to there with your German American? Timothy yeah. Chandler hated him. Hated him. Hated him. Why? I don't know. He, maybe he always seemed so not excited to be playing for the U.S. Maybe like, it was the like every time he put on the U.S. jersey, he was just like. I just would have worked a little bit harder. I could have been playing for Germany. <laughs> maybe it was the body language. Maybe I just felt like he, like this was me early on. Like I said, not the tactical wizard I am now, but I just felt like he sucked and he just annoyed me. And it felt like he gave the ball away all the time. 
I feel I like you're like ignoring the fact that maybe Jurgen Klinsmann wasn't using him very well. Maybe that's or, to completely you, possible. You talk about you talk about tactical geniuses, and I think of Jurgen Klinsmann. So, so this is kind of where I'm at with it, right? Our, our mutual friend Brandon, shout out Brandon. Like we shout watched uh, the Netherlands game to get together at this last World Cup. He's a very casual soccer guy. Like we'll watch a game once yeah. in a while. Gets into the World Cup. That's basically where I was at that point. And mm-hmm. he just spent well, like. But to be fair, like. I think all of us that are more <laughs> entwined were saying the same thing. Like he sat there and just screamed about how much uh, Jesus Ferreira sucked. And so that's yeah. how I felt in 2014 or whatever, yelling at Timothy <laughs> what? Chandler. So maybe I was right. Maybe I was wrong. I don't know, but never liked him. Do you have a guy that kind of always besides Julian Crean that you didn't like? Oh, it's, his name's Paul Ariola. Oh. Um, just the what are you bringing to the attack? Nothing. I guess we have this Paul Areola left over from last time. We can just whip out. Like, um, I think, and I and I and I have defended Paul Areola on this podcast, right? Um, because I think he's a guy who genuinely cares, means well, and I think you could probably turn Paul Areola into like a sign of like, if Paul Areola is as bad as the winger position can get, the U.S. is actually in a really good place. Right. Um, but when we needed Paul Ariola to like produce some magic or make a big play, like I spent like, you know, like all that qualifying stuff that was during Paul Ariola's prime. It's not his fault, man. Right. But he's like the epitome of like the MLS guy who gets called into every freaking camp and never does anything. And then people want to defend it. Right. And, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good squad depth player. But like when we we started Paul Ariola, it felt like for like three years in a row. And I feel like he'd occasionally have an assist. And we'd be like, well, really solid play from Paul Ariola. I'd be like, we can be better than solid. Like, and we couldn't, right? I mean, that's the that's the truth of it. But you know, like, I don't know, must be a great guy. It's like when a backup quarterback keeps getting jobs and you're like, I saw that dude play the worst preseason football game I've ever seen. How does he have a job? And then three years later, he's like a really good coach. And you're like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Like, You're like, <laughs> man, Blaine Gabbert must just be the coolest guy. <laughs> is, is Josh McCown just like everyone's best friend? Like what's yeah. going on? And now he's like, oh, yeah, they're just letting him run the organization for – is it Atlanta or Arizona? He got I, don't that. I would what love to have a beer with Chad Henney. <laughs> like right. those guys, yeah. Maybe yeah. Paul Ariola. Maybe I'd love to have a beer with you. Paul, I would. I would love to have a beer. I would love to have a beer with Paul Ariola. Paul, if you're you and Paul, uh, wow, why am I blanking on his name? Do not put Jordan uh, Christian Rodon. Christian Rodon. Christian Rodon, man, that seems like a great guy. Paul. Okay, so who's the Paul Ariola equivalent of a defender then? Because we just found him in the midfield with Christian Rodon. Um, I think that a lot of U.S. fans would say Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> no, Zimmerman's been good. Like he played. Oh, uh, Shaq Moore. Shaq Moore. There we go. Got like, it. Shaq Moore. He's actually at that uh, second division team, and they're right about to get promoted. Shaq Moore or Reggie King, whichever one's on the roster. <laughs> no, it, it, to me it's Shaq Moore because like. I feel like I've seen Reggie Cannon play and been like impressed once or twice, right? Shaq Moore must be a cool dude because God has he never given us anything. Shout out to Shaq Moore. If you're listening, bud, I will also have a beer with you. But 
I would, I would, I would hate to have to argue with you about your contribution to USMNT. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about stuff besides soccer. <laughs> you see any but, good shows lately? Just hanging out with Shaq Moore, just not talking at all about soccer. Shaq Moore's for you page on Netflix oh. has to be crazy or something, right? Something, right? Like it's like, oh, did you see the episode? The order he watched Kaleidoscope in, like that's nuts, dude. <laughs> I heard I heard he actually was predicted most of the second half of you as a show. Like guy's nuts. Well, I think you just gave us a perfect thing to kind of sign off on here really quick is uh you said kaleidoscope. Like what do you think of the new blue kaleidoscope jerseys the US has as we're talking about um, really quickly? The the white ones with the little like splatter paint are fine, right? The blue ones, and I've sent this to multiple people, is this orange or red? And apparently I just can't tell. But it's like a weird, it's not, anything but the Waldo jerseys is a failure. And until you go back to the Waldo jerseys, or even just like, remember the old ones Landon Donovan had that had like the one sash, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my my what I figured out with somebody earlier when I was talking about this is like, because I've, I've been frustrated about it all week, is... Give us the want, give us the Waldo jerseys, right? And every year, Nike, you can do whatever the hell you want with the other one. I will pay the tax of having the ugliest jerseys as our second jersey. Like, okay, like, you know who's probably not having jersey sale issues? Argentina. And they've had the same fucking jerseys for a hundred years, right? Yeah. Like, Give us the no. floor of the Waldo jersey and then give go us the fucking floor. crazy. Yeah. Go crazy. And, on and if you hit on something, shit. feel free to. St- feel free to not fuck it up again. Like, you know, like there's no problems with the Chicago Bulls jerseys. Guess what? They're the same as when Jordan was playing. Cause if you hit on something, don't not hit on it. Why would you choose to not hit on it the next year? I care too much about this. They're ugly jerseys. And I'm sad that the women have to wear them on the world cup stage. I hope they wear a lot of the white jerseys. I think the white jerseys are actually like fine. Yeah, right. I didn't hate them. I didn't think they were the worst that they've done recently, but Nike's kind of set a low bar, so they're they're not great. But they're I, I just thought they were yeah, yeah. But we already solved this problem. Stop unsolving it and then making it worse. I am big on the jer- like the kit thing. Like I'd like to see it on the field before I really judge it. Sometimes they look a little better on the field, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Definitely not the best look, but we'll, yeah. we'll see how it plays out, man. But uh about all i got today i got if you can you can see on the screen right now but the 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 little pups coming and bothering me because i think she's very hungry because it is definitely past dinner time so okay please uh follow rate like subscribe to the pod follow us on twitter all that uh, at fish fries pod because uh i need the subs because i gotta buy double the dog food nowadays so please help your boy out yeah, help your we boy gotta, out. We gotta feed Mira. Summertime's Spencer, coming. Without the, five new subscribers, Spencer will not feed Mira. He told me that offline. Asked me not to tell everybody. But. My dog will die if you don't subscribe. <laughs> That's like that uh, that that teacher who holds up a golden retriever, and his classroom is like, "This is the vocab dog." Have you seen that? You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm paraphrasing it really badly, but this is our this is the subscriber dog. So yes, Mira, Mira watch along with us, but all right, man, unless you got anything else, I'm ready to get out of here. We'll get your dog fed. We'll get mine walked. Hey, Roscoe. But, uh, until next time, buddy, we will, uh, we will see you soon. 
We'll be back next week to do it. We gotta take care of the pooches in the meantime, though, my friend. So take care. We'll reconvene next week and talk about whatever Tottenham doesn't do and whatever bottom table teams do whatever. I don't know. Can't wait. There's nothing wrong with the bottom of the table. (laughs) All right. We might even have a manager by then. Who knows? All right, buddy. We'll talk next week. Take care. Yep.